0: Welcome to the No Relation NFL podcast with Matt and Bill Williamson. Matt, it's Super Bowl week. Had a week to think about it. You had a lot of time to figure things out. You got a pretty good handle on this thing, you think?
1: I think I do. And I think I kind of have a different look on it than a lot do. And I don't know if we're making our picks right now or what. But um, yeah, I, I do have a pretty good feel for it. And yeah. how, how do you want to handle that? <laughs>
0: Well, don't show the baby yet. Um, actually, um, this is going to be very heavy Super Bowl, but I want to talk about a couple other little things before that, and then finish out for the Super Bowl, and and just basically chat about some matchups and, and yep. see what we got. Um, you know, do you think just for a little preview, do you think it's going to be a close game? Not
1: especially. Okay, all right. Yeah, that's where I think I'm right. a little on not on a limb here. All right, interesting. Um. <laughs>
0: Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about some news, and there's really not a lot, so we're, we're gonna we're gonna get to the Super Bowl pretty quick. Now, you're from the scouting community, and you know how scouts think, and you know the road they take. When John Lynch was a shocking, you know, when he was shockingly hired by the San Francisco 49ers two days ago. There are some tweets out there saying that, you know, a lot of scouts are tweeting and, I mean, not tweeting, texting the people saying how, you know, they're shocked and this is not really the road that you should take. I mean, what was your thoughts when you first heard that John Lynch, a former player and now a commentator,
1: is becoming an NFL general manager with no front-off experience at all? Huge news, you know, totally out of left field. I don't think many people that are, you know, really dialed in and everything were on top of this one either. I mean, no, I don't know that anybody saw it coming. But, um, and, and honestly, when I read the headline, I went and checked, and I was like, "Hmm, is there some pro director or a college scout or somebody that I don't know named John Lynch who happens to have the same right. name?" <laughs> you know, like uh, I was like, "It, it can't be the it can't be the the, the the former player, is it?" And I've always respected him, though. I mean, he's a Stanford guy. Obviously, was a great player. Played smart. Played hard. You know, if he can bring those things to the front office, wonderful. Um, and I and I liked him as an analyst too. I mean, I, I thought he knew, he knew his stuff and was one of the better ones out there. Still, really surprising. You know, and I even thought about Elway, but Elway owned a, an arena league team before that, at least. I mean, he was you know in, involved with you know, running a team from that 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 perspective. But the more i thought about it and the more I've, heard, I've talked to people and read and things, it sounds like that here's what's going on, is Shanahan's going to be the next head coach. And a lot of us were like, boy, I can't believe Shanahan took that job. You know, why would you do that? But they're going to get six-year deals, as Lynch did. He's going to get paid very, very well. He actually has quite a bit of job stability then, and if he does get fired, he gets paid anyways. Um, and it sounds as though Shanahan is going to be the top dog by far in that in that organization, you know, that, yeah, Lynch is the GM, but he's going to report to Shanahan, like a, Belich- a Belichick situation. So if Lynch isn't even in charge of, you know, he obviously has some feedback in it, but if he's not 100% in charge of making all the picks and, all the free agent acquisitions, if that ultimately lies on Shanahan, um, I could see it. You know, he's a defensive guy, while Shanahan's an offensive guy. And um, if you hire a really good, experienced cap guy, I think that's very important. An established scouting staff, you know, a good pro director, a good college director. I can understand it. I mean, if that's who Shanahan wants, then that's who Shanahan gets.
0: Yeah, I, I think part of it really is what Shanahan wanted. And the connection is that John played for four years for Mike Shanahan, Kyle's dad, and in, in Denver. And so, so there's a connection there. And, you know, I know John really well. I covered him for his four years in Denver. I like John a lot. I, I still keep in contact with John. So I may be biased, but I think John Lynch is a winner. I mean, John Lynch is never... He's been a raving success in everything he's ever done in his life. So I'm not going to start betting against John Lynch now. And, you know, Sorry. a couple times this year I, I heard him on TV. I'm like, Jesus, John really has a feel for this, you know, for personnel. I, I really got that feeling from him. And um, I don't know. I, I, you know, he's, he's kind of hung out in the, in the Broncos' war room for the last couple years. Uh, he's wanting to learn it. Again, he's a Stanford guy. He's extremely bright. All of his teammates love him. Um, I think he's a leader. I-, I think it can work. The one thing that scares me is that it was Jed York's kind of idea, and, right. and Jed York has not been making good decisions. So if it was with another teammate, like if it was Ursay, I, I, I might be, man, that's a slam dunk. What a grand slam! But it's a little worrisome that it's the 49ers, and maybe that's unfair. But I mean, that's and and also that he, him, and Kyle are getting six years, and that's a really long contract for for two guys coming into it, especially two first timers, especially from a franchise that is owing two coaches a lot of money. So I, I just, you know, I just wish there was a little bit more organizational structure. It seems like Jed is handing over the keys again, and I think these guys are both smart guys, Lynch and, and, and Shanahan. But like anybody, they're going to need leadership above them, and I just don't know if they have strong ownership leadership. So that may be the one worrisome.
1: That's a, that's a good point. And, uh, I mean, I think if Denver would have done this, we always said, boy, good move, he was a great player, we liked him. You know, but because San Francisco has been so dysfunctional, they haven't earned the benefit of the doubt, you know, that, oh, they're going to screw it up. What are they thinking? You know, this guy wasn't even on anybody's radar. What are they doing? You know, so, um, but uh, it's kind of like the Browns to me, too, you know, that you can't just assume that because the organization has been bad for so long that they always will be. You know, that these new guys might fix it. I mean, I know it looks bleak, but you saw it firsthand in Oakland that Reggie McKenzie came in as as bleak a situation as it is in San Francisco. It took time, but they turned it around. Right, right.
0: And the inexperienced thing, I just think John is so smart and and, and so prideful and so respectful of the business. He's going to take the time to learn this thing, you know, and and he's going to bring in the right people. And I think it helps this year that the 49ers have a ton of cap room. Because a guy like Reggie McKenzie, who was inexperienced in that role because he was a personnel guy and now you're making salary cap decisions, it was hard for him because the Raiders are in cap in, in cap jail. Lynch is going to have a lot of money and he's going to be able to play a recruiter and he's going to fire these free agents up, especially on the defensive side. So I can see the 49ers grabbing some quality players this year in free agency.
1: Yeah, the only drawback I would say is, you know, they're not going to win. You know, and I don't think, right. you know, Cleveland even tried to get free agents last year. They wanted their free agents to leave to get picks. Um, you might have to spend a little more to get somebody to come to, uh, you know, to come to San Francisco where you know you're going to get your head beat in for a year or two. But I do think the Lynch and the hot young coach is attractive too to somebody coming off their first contract. You know, let's go build a winner there.
0: Yeah. And, and, and they have won in the past, and there is, um, there's a brand new stadium, so I think I think it will be appealing. Um, I, I think the Forty Nineers did pretty good for themselves, and the last thing about John is, you know, he was part of that process in Tampa Bay. He was there for the real lean years, and you know, from the yucks, and so he knows that process too. So I don't think he's going to get discouraged if it takes a couple of years.
1: No, I wouldn't think so, and. um yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add on it. I mean, we we have talked coaching hires and GM hires and things on this podcast the last couple of weeks. And I hate to tell the people this, but it really has to be a wait and see situation, you know. I don't oh, know certainly. how well John Lynch evaluates quarterbacks, you know. I mean, certainly. and he should have to, you know. But he was he he was the most intriguing hire of everybody this year, would you say, coaches GM? Oh yeah. I mean, he's a potential Hall of Fame player. I mean, it's kind of like hiring in a Cowboy. week in 4 days Right, 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 right. I didn't even think about that part. But yeah, walking
0: on yeah. In his life right now. Yeah. All right, let's talk a little Super Bowl here. Um, I did, and I think I know where you're going to do with your hint, So I did an exercise, and I trust your thoughts on mine more than mine way more. But I did a, I looked at all twenty at the twenty-two positions, and I just did, who's the best guy at this spot? You know, and. I thought it was going to be twelve to ten, eleven to eleven, but it was fourteen to eight in, in new england's favor and, and and that surprised me a little bit. It's, you know wow. I had eight I had eight New England defenders, three Atlanta defenders, and I even had more I had six to five New England on offense, um you know, even though Atlanta's offense is the best in the league, so that was that surprised me a little bit. I mean,
1: is that kind of what you're thinking as well that there's more talent on New England? That's the first I've thought of it from that perspective. I don't know if you remember though, but when I was at ESPN for ten years in a row, I used to do the, you know, the 53 guys on a roster, and I had to rank every player in the game from 100 from one to 106, and I hated mm-hmm. it to be honest with you because I mean the 75th guy versus the 85th guy really isn't any different. Right. Um, but sometimes it was interesting because you'd look at that top 25 and be like, boy, one team's got 17 players or, or 18, right. you know, where you're, we're, you know. And the other one's really light. It's like, boy, there is a talent discrepancy here in a big way. Thinking about this game, just off the top of my head, I would think that, you know, the, there's not a lot of defensive players that that from Atlanta's squad would definitely start for the, the Patriots. I mean, Beasley yeah. comes to mind for sure. They're not great at defensive end. And they've got some good players, but um, that's where I think the numbers, kind of like, like you sort of revealed, was – definitely going to be skewed towards new england and, and as great as matt ryan is i'm sure you took tom brady so yeah you know,
0: i mean and, and i mentioned that i mean look at the, yeah well, this guy's probably going to be the mvp but i'm not going to pick against the dude who's been in his,
1: in his seventh ever. super bowl right. right so one of the best attributes atlanta has going for them they don't get credited in that exercise
0: right yeah
1: and, and, and that's certainly doing noted I, I think the difference in the on defense for me Was the back seven? It was really heavy. It it was really heavy. Patriots. I would think. Yeah, their secondary I think is very underrated, very good, and I think it matches up pretty well too. You know, and I guess there's one thing we mentioned last week too is what if they had Trufant and what if the Patriots had Gronk? Right. Right. And, and, and uh, you know,
0: and I give these guys so much credit for making the Super Bowl without those guys. And not that they're, you know, total difference makers, but they're really good players at their positions. And we've seen teams die from injuries. So, I mean, I, not enough credit goes to these teams, especially New England for losing Gronk, um, you know, a guy that most people think is the best player at his position, and they're going to the Super Bowl anyways. And, I mean, best player in the history of the game.
1: Shannon right. Sharp told
0: me he's the best ever at the position. So, I'm going to believe him. He's a tight, he's a Hall of Famer at the position. And they lost a the guy in November, and they haven't lost since he's been out.
1: Yeah, it's pretty un- unbelievable. And, and I mean, I know it's not as big a deal, but I always mention it, too, about they didn't have a first-round pick either. You know, first-round picks are useful. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, not that everyone knows right. about Brady being out, but, you know, it would be nice to have a first-round pick.
0: Y- you know... Josh McDaniels, when I knew him a little bit in Denver, he would talk about you know, his philosophy and his schemes, and he said, I really don't have philosophy of schemes. I'm a total week-to-week guy, and that's what I learned in New England, that um, I'm a matchup guy, that my game plan changes really week-to-week. And, and I think everybody's game plan changes week-to-week, but I mean his total approach to the game based on weaknesses of the opponents. And I think that this New England offense really shows us that, that in look at the two playoff games, different guys have been featured. You know, the first week it was Dion Lewis and James White scoring. Last week in the championship game, Hogan had the big game. And their best scoring type players, you know, Blunt and Edelman and Bennett, they haven't had big games yet in the postseason. Um, I mean – is that how you see the Patriots? As kind of this pick their poison game? We're gonna pick our game plan based on what you're gonna attack us with more than most teams.
1: Yes, and obviously having a quarterback like Brady makes that much easier to pull off. You know that the Rams could say they do it, but you know the, the quarterback can't get it done. You know, I mean not not yet. Right. And most teams can't, and none can probably do it at the level that Brady does, and you know, and Manning was obviously at that level as well. You know, and, and a lot of it is there's no perfect defense. You know, that if, if cover two was unbeatable, everybody would run cover two. You know, that there's holes in every zone. There's a reason man-to-man isn't, you know. There's, every defense has a hole, and Brady knows them all, and he can get his guys in a position to pull it off. And that's gigantic, that he has an answer to no matter what you throw at him. And, of course, his other ten guys have to execute it, and sometimes their X's and O's, or their Jimmy's and Joe's, are better than your X's and O's and all that good right. stuff. Um, but, yes, I do think so. That I, I think that's seated in Belichick's way of thinking is he wants smart, versatile players that week to week can change, to, or even half to half can change uh, depending on what you see. However... I would say that the Patriots' defense is less like that than it has been in the McGinnis, Vrabel years, you know, Brewski and all those type of guys. They kind of do what they do nowadays. And I, I think it should be noted, too, though, that the Falcons, um, you know, two of their, the, the two biggest members of their front office are Patriots' disciples, you know, Dioli yep. and um, what's his face, Dimitrov. And yep. I think they're becoming sort of like that on offense as well. And you see it through the course of games where something doesn't work in the first quarter or two, they make an adjustment and they're exploiting your weaknesses. So I think a lot of people look at the Falcons as, boy, they're a Seattle-like team-building roster. And and there is some truth to that on defense, but there's a lot of Patriot principles there too.
0: Yeah. And that can, can front office guys – Affect the the game plan like that, the the, the on field approach. Because I, I find that interesting. Because you would think that Peoli and Dimitrov's Patriot influence would be on the types of players they bring in, or or maybe that's the answer. It's those types of guys so you can fit them in like that.
1: Well, I mean, certainly, like a fr- a Freeny move is a very Patriot type of move too. You know, like yeah. let's grab this great player the end of his career, get the most out of them, have a positive influence on someone like Vic Beasley, you know, the trickle-down effect that somebody like that. You know, those guys brought in Tony Gonzalez way back when, too, and got a lot yep. out of him. Certainly a Patriot-like move. But I think that these two organizations, and you probably could say it in most Super Bowls, because it's not an accident. I thought Carolina last year was very much like this, that there's a really good cohesion between front office player acquisition and the coaching staff. You know, I bring up Carolina because, you know, Cam Newton's their quarterback. So we're going to run the ball a lot. You know, we're going to have receivers that are really big because Cam's not as accurate as Brady or Breeze. You know, we need guys with big catching radiuses that hopefully are also good blockers. You know, that and and on defense, hey, we we love our front seven, but we can't afford – you know, pro bowlers everywhere, we're going to cut corners. And so, therefore, in the secondary, we're going to have guys that are zone coverage players that aren't real expensive. And you guys need to scheme around that. And, you know, the coaching staff in the front office are very much on board with that. And I think you'll see that with these two teams very much so as well. Do you think Dan Quinn's, uh, I mean, we've seen coaches have early
0: success. Do you think he's a a keeper, that he's going to be, you know, good for a while, that he's going to have a, a nice, strong program?
1: Yeah, and I think we've all trusted the front office for some time, though. I mean, that Dimitrov knows what he's doing and mm-hmm. drafted Ryan and moved up to get Julio, which was sort of a you know gutsy move. But he goes out and signs Mack and Sanu and those type of guys. So I do think there's a cohesion there. I would think that that organization is more – GM front office strong than they are coach strong you know like we talked about Shanahan or Belichick you know really being the top dog in the building. right I would imagine that the, the coaching the coach is not. but you know I, I really like what I think what, what shows on him most is this Falcons defense that's really young, really athletic and yeah they have a lot of Seattle principles. But they're developing, too. Like, they were, like, the least blitz-happy defense in the league. And then last week they blitzed Rodgers like crazy. You know, they they were, much like Seattle, very, very cover-three zone-based team. But as the season's gone on, they've mixed in a lot more man. You know, so the the defense is developing and growing under Quinn, and and that's his forte.
0: Do you see this
1: as a rising star team that –
0: might be really good for a long time, and like maybe in 2019 season, 2000, yeah 2018 season, excuse me. But man, hey, that defense is really good. That Atlanta defense is top notch.
1: Does it have that type of growth potential? I think so. You know, you, you, yeah. you, we mentioned Trufant. You add him back to the equation, then all of a sudden, every corner, of the, your number one corner becomes your number two, and you know, get better at every spot. Uh, that happens immediately next year. And you look at the team. See, I was asked this in a different light earlier today. was, do you see this team falling off a cliff when they lose Shanahan? You know, it's like, well, he's going to be a loss, and maybe he takes his running back coach with them and, you know, or steals two or three people out of the building. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine, and I don't know this for a fact, I haven't researched it, but I would think Atlanta is going to try to promote from within as the offensive coordinator, keep the system in place, Ryan seems to know it like the back of his hand. And then you look at the offense, and in general, I don't think they have a lot of prominent free agents. You know, They're so young on defense, and I think their offensive guys are basically locked up, that maybe you draft a guard pretty high to replace Chris Chester, but the offense doesn't need anything else. So along the lines, like you were saying, that young defense that gets Font back also probably has a really heavy offseason again to reinforce them. Hey, I mean, if guard is your your best need, that's pretty good, you know. I mean, hey, like, yeah, we could use a guard, but we were still the best offensive league with Chester. Yeah, and, and you can get, you know, whether they draft at thirty one or thirty two, you can
0: get a pretty good guard at thirty one or
1: thirty two in the right, draft, or, or sixty four.
0: Right. Yeah. There you go. Too. Um,
1: you know, there's been some
0: talk that Chip Kelly might be the replacement there for for Kyle.
1: I guess what I don't know about that is how much would the verbiage change? How much, you know, would Kelly come in and learn Shanahan's system and the verbiage and the playbook or and, and be, you know, a smart enough coach to do that and implement some of his own principles? Or do you take everything you've done this year and throw it out the window and say, Chip, you know, it's all yours? And to me, you got to do the former, not the latter.
0: Right, I would think so,
1: right uh, it's, yeah,
0: yeah, I don't know I, I i don't i I don't know if I'd go the chip route, not that I' for, for that team after the its success and, and what it going for I, it might be better just promoting somebody, you know
1: right, if there's a the guy out there or you know somebody right. that Mike Shanahan had a great relationship with or someone off that tree, you know to kind of keep the continuity but I mean, I know the first thought with Chip Kelly is playing fast and a quarterback that can run. Um, I think Ryan could absolutely play very fast, but you don't want him doing any zone read stuff.
0: Right, right. So you know, we talked about the talent,
1: and I, and I talked about my discrepancy,
0: but we never really got your answer on that. We're, I mean, are you thinking this is heavy Patriots as far? Because I asked you at the top of the show, do you think it's going to be a close game? And you said, Prob- especially maybe not. Well, I mean, can you expand on that a little bit?
1: I think the Patriots win big. I really do, and I have a lot of And that's of sad, because for...
0: I don't want to see that,
1: you know? No, right. I just want to see a close and, game. And actually, it would be more fun if Atlanta won big, because it's something different, sure, and nobody yeah. sees that coming. Right. Um, it surprises me, the Lions only three. And I have a lot of respect for Atlanta, and I, I think they've come a very long way. But... It wasn't that long ago that we were talking about this defense is one of the worst in the league and that their run defense in particular is a problem. Um, I gave them great compliments that they're a young defense that's come a long way and they have a lot of athletes. But I said the same thing about Pittsburgh last week, and the stage is going to be bigger. Um, Brady is not going to hesitate at all. I think he'll find Matt, I think he'll pick that defense apart. And I think more importantly, I think they're going to run on that lighter You know, athletic defense, and I think Blunt is going to bludgeon them like crazy in the first half. Keep we're going to keep seeing pictures of Matt Ryan holding his helmet on the sidelines, long physical drives, and wear them down, and then go hurry up in the second half with Lewis and White and Brady in the shotgun, and picking them, you know, picking them apart like crazy after they dedicate extra people to the box. And I don't know how much extra nose you want to talk, but I also think that. I love Atlanta's offense, but I don't think this is a good matchup for them. Really? Here's because... why. Yeah, here's why, and I'll you know, make the short version, but I really think a huge key to this game is the behemoth that New England has at defensive tackle. You know, that I think their power of Brown and Branch, and you, know, and you rotate Valentine in here and there too, is really going to be a problem for – the interior guards, I think, you know, we mentioned that guard, I think, is their biggest weakness at Chester. and But they're movement-based offensive linemen. And as much as I like Mac, it sounds like his ankle injury is a, a legit problem, you know, that he's, mm-hmm. he's going to be not the same player. And I really think that moving those two giants on the middle of the field is going to prove to be very hard. And what New England likes to do, you know, against your base personnel – they want to put those big monsters in the middle. Their defensive ends don't get a lot of pressure, but they shut down the run well. is your second-level guy, and then they want to play big nickel. They, they want to play with three safeties. And to me, I think because their defensive tackles will control the line of scrimmage so well, they'll be able to do that. And why is that a big deal? It, to me, it's a big deal because I think you take Malcolm Butler – you put them on Sanu, and you, pay, and you play a lot of man coverage, and, and Butler owns them. I mean, I think that's an advantage you'd like a lot. I also think you take Logan Ryan, and you put him on, on Julio, and you're extremely physical with these guys. And we saw Peyton New England being extremely physical with Pittsburgh. And it's just a, a human nature thing. The refs aren't going to throw 100 flags in the Super Bowl. You know, they, it's, they're going to keep the things in their pocket a little bit more and you put a safety over the top Julio and you basically double him all day with a good big corner and Ryan and safety help and you love your butler versus a new matchup. But I think the key then is then a guy like Chung, you know, a strong safety, do it all, smart player, can then match up on Coleman or Freeman. And that's always been the it's kinda of like the Steelers. Like boy, they got one big time receiver and then they got this back that can do it all. Well Atlanta's got two backs and one big time receiver. And I think the game plan will be sort of similar, although they lost Levy on in game, that if we can get a safety on those guys in coverage and we, we aren't forfeiting enough versus the run that having you know a big nickel package against their base is is damning, then I think that they can match up well with the one asterisk of New England doesn't rush a passer well, and I, I don't know that that changes, and Matt Ryan kills people whenever he has time. Right.
0: So if you're if you're Kyle Shanahan and everything you just said makes sense, how do you do that to counter that? What do you get the tight end going? Do you say try to get the run game going? I mean, what's your answer if you think that they're gonna get your top two receivers covered pretty well?
1: Force the issue to Julio? I mean, you can force Julio, but he's going to have a lot of a lot of attention. I mean, I think you try to get those big defensive tackles moving left and right, and that's great, you know, it cut back lanes and things like that. But New England's very disciplined. You know, they don't they don't leave their gaps, and they're well coached, and their ends are going to keep contain. And if you do play big nickel, you're going to be pretty fast on defense to get a lot of bodies to that outside run. I mean, certainly your players are every bit as good as the ones that New England has on defense and probably better. They're going to have to make plays. You know, I mean, is another thing New England does a lot of, too, is they only really rush three. They know they're not a good pass rushing team, so they do the opposite, and they flood zones, and they make you sustain long drives. So I think you have to be – and they're great in the red zone. You know, there's a lot of bodies and coverage that you're going to have to be – Really play within yourself and take what you get and be happy with the four yard dump off and sustain 12 and 15 play drives, even though you want to take shots. And uh, I don't know. I just think that New England's defense matches up well. So, do you think this New England defense,
0: and you may already answer this and while talking for the last half hour, but do you think this is a top level defense? Right now, because I know you didn't think that in the middle of the season and you were worried about it, but has it made the, the, next, the step where it is a, an upper-level defense? New England? Yeah.
1: Yes. You know, I was, you know, what I've been saying about it is, I mean, they've allowed the, the, the fewest points in the league by a wide margin. I mean, that's pretty good. We know that That's Belichick's something. Defense.
0: That's certainly something.
1: Right. I mean, that's pretty good. We know that Belichick defenses are always great in the red zone, fundamentally sound, don't blow coverages, know their gaps, you know, those type of things. All those things are in play. Um, But Good defenses
0: do well in the Super
1: Bowl. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't think that stage will be too big for them. I also think that their numbers are inflated because they played terrible quarterbacks and – the Patriots and the Falcons turned the ball over less than any team in the league, and didn't put their defense in compromising positions. And they're good on special teams. And so, are they an elite defense? No, but I also think they happen to match up to this offense particularly well,
0: well as well as anyone can.
1: You know, I mean, yeah. besides the 85 Bears, or you know, I mean, as good defenses go, I think they match up pretty well
0: would have last, – last year's Denver defense would have matched up better, right? Because it was it was a better overall defense. It was better pass rushers.
1: Yes. And right. Right. I mean, they would have the man concept situation as well. I don't – and probably not compromise anything in the run defense. But they would be – you know, there's no Vaughn Miller on this, you know, in this field.
0: Right. This may be a tough question. This may be a tough question, but do you – Is the Denver defense that excuse me the Denver offense that lost to Seattle in the Super Bowl three years ago better than this Atlanta defense?
1: Is the 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 Peyton Manning led offense better than that lost
0: in the Super Bowl? Was it better than this Atlanta Atlanta offense? I don't
1: know. That is a tough question.
0: I don't know. Because my point is, you know, is this New England defense better than the Seattle defense? I would say no. I would say and, no. Because that, that game stands out to me as just an all-time football lesson. Because we're so ready for the great, great offense against the great, great defense. And it was no contest, you know? Right, It was right. Tyson I mean, against I see where are going
1: with it. And this isn't so, what you asked, and I'm kind of avoiding the question, but... Then you no, it's a tough question,
0: and it's not easy to it's audience, not easy right. to digest.
1: But you also throw in the fact that New England's pretty good on offense. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like that's the that's the sticking point here. Like, oh, by the way, yeah, yeah, their defense might be able to do pretty good battle against this Falcons defense and limit them more than others do. But then Tom Brady comes on the field, right? So you, you don't know, see like, this ever becoming an issue of. New England
0: having to keep up with Atlanta.
1: Maybe. I mean, I don't think you could ignore the fact that Atlanta scored on what, eight, you know, eight games in a row they scored a touchdown right off the bat. You know, that they come out hot and Shanahan scripts plays and um, they could easily go up 14 nothing before you know it. Yeah, I mean, to so Ryan me hasn't you know, thrown an
0: interception since week 13.
1: You know, Yeah, I just tweeted it, too. It's been like 212 throws in a row without throwing a pick. Yeah, I mean. It's crazy, you know. And maybe yeah, this is too big it's, for Keon Neal and their young defense. And I mean, I'm not saying it's an easy home run slam dunk, but if one team's going to come out hot, I would bet on the Patriots. You know, especially just yeah. from a nerves and experience standpoint.
0: Right. Is there
1: is there a way?
0: For, and you may have answered this already, but is there a way for Atlanta to win? Because it seems like you're not giving them much of a chance. Is there a a quick, easy way? To just take over offensively. I know that's too simple, but is can you see a way where they they can win this game?
1: Oh, sure. You know, like I said, I mean, they're vastly talented, and I do think getting up early would go a long way. I mean, if it's 10 nothing after the first quarter or 14 nothing, you know, midway through the second or okay, you know, and, and know that they're that they certainly belong and the defense holds up and but even like Vic Beasley and their pass rush and things, a lot of their pass rush comes from stunts and loops and, you know, long-developing pass rush items. They don't just beat you. It's not like Von Miller just flying past a tackle and beating you or Aaron mm-hmm. Donald whipping a guard and in your backfield before you know it. And Brady doesn't hold the ball. You know, that right. these long-developing defensive line things that they do – I don't think come home. You know, like I'm trying to think. You know, a strip sack or a pick six or something like that. But we're talking about Brady here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I make it sound like the Falcons have no chance, and I don't mean that. But I feel pretty strongly that this is a, a two touchdown win or so by the Patriots. See, and that
0: and has nothing to do with the Patriots. I just want to see a close game after a pretty bad playoff. We've talked about that each week. You know, and I, I, I thought we were going to get a good Super Bowl. I still think we're going to get a good Super Bowl, but, you know, I thought that in the championship games as well. And we didn't, you know, it was an awful day of, you know, Championship Sunday.
1: Yeah, and I thought the championship games would be very close. I thought the playoffs in general, especially in the NFC, set up really well whenever we knew the seeds. Um, I seem to be the only one saying this, though. I mean, of the analysts I've listened to, most people think this is a close back and forth game. I haven't heard many say that New England blows them out or beats them badly. They blow out. Yeah. A strong word. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, we close out the show now. And I'm I'm going to make my
0: prediction, and yeah, and you. it's and it's completely different than what you think, <laughs> and, and and it makes me nervous. Um, I think the Falcons are going to win thirty-seven, thirty-three. So I'm I'm going offense, 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 but. I don't know. I mean, I would bet on your thoughts more than mine, but that's what I feel.
1: I mean, uh, everyone's talking. Maybe about – Maybe it's
0: out of hope. Maybe because I want to see close game. You know,
1: I don't know. I mean, you're you're thinking kind of whoever has the ball last type of game wins, and you know, it goes down to the wire and Brady versus Ryan in the shootout, and yeah. you know, just yeah, I just back. believe that in be that offense. But that's
0: but that's why I asked you the Seattle Denver question because. That's what makes me nervous about my prediction is that we have seen great offenses be stymied. You know, it's yeah. happened before in the Super Bowl. I but just
1: I don't, don't know, think, if, you know. I mean, like you kind of said, too, this Patriot defense to me is good where the Seattle one of late or Denver's last year was great.
0: Right. And the one thing, and you
1: alluded to it when you said they haven't played
0: many good quarterbacks, they've played a lot of bad quarterbacks. Yeah. And Ben obviously is a good quarterback and he threw for three hundred and fourteen yards. So but they might be show shocked a little bit if this guy comes out and throw. I mean, you're not playing Kaepernick, you're not playing Fitzpatrick twice or Osweiler in the playoffs or
1: right.
0: you know, um
1: I mean I It'll just wrote about like the eight names what's that? It'll be nothing like they've seen before. Right. So and but, that's all respect to Pittsburgh too, but I mean this is this is a bigger fish to fry, and especially after Bell went down and as poorly as the Steelers played, that maybe that's a good warm-up for this game. But I kind of feel like both these teams are going to... You know, when Atlanta has the ball, I feel like both these units will have their stiffest test of the year. Atlanta's going to have to, in that first
0: drive, really show who they are, right? I mean, they're going to have to establish... They're going to have to force it to Jones a little bit if he's if he's being triple team, I mean, they're going to have to show who they are, aren't they?
1: Yeah, I guess. You know, I mean, I, I think the ideal, like the worst-case scenario, if you're the Falcons, are you get the kickoff, you kind of look overwhelmed in the bright lights, you're three and out, you punt it, Brady hands it the blunt ten times, and it's 7 nothing, and your defense gets bludgeoned, and now what? <laughs> you know, like, uh-oh. Yeah, I, think that's
0: I mean, want to avoid. yeah, but I mean, they're so quick striking. Well, maybe they flip the tables and and they say, okay, this is how we're going to do it. We're gonna we're gonna run Freeman and Coleman at them. Keep Brady off the field on the first drive, and we'll have the ten minute drive for a touchdown without being our typical long, you know, fast striking self. Maybe that's yeah, how they. I mean, maybe it.
1: that's their plan. I, I-, I like it. I just don't think – I think then you're playing into what the Patriots want you to do. You know, that I like their run defense a lot. I don't think they're going to move those defensive tackles. I think it all starts there. And I think they can get a lot of, ball, a lot of bodies to the, the outside, especially when they're in their big nickel to, to eliminate that outside run. So, again, I just don't think it's a great matchup. But uh, I'm with you. I mean, Atlanta's offense is – Atlanta's offense is better than New England's defense. I mean, I do believe that. I don't know that it will be on Sunday. And then, as you said, then you got the Brady factor. Yeah, and then, oh, by the way, when Patriots have the ball, they have the advantage too. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: yeah, I don't know. I, I, do you have a, a score prediction at all, two touchdowns basically?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it. think New England tries to slow things down, especially early. You know, it uses a lot of clock. I think it's like 30-17, something like that.
0: Yeah, you know, so late school. So,
1: with the over under being 59 and a half, the highest in Super Bowl history, you
0: you're leaning under.
1: Yes, cuz I would imagine Vegas and bettors are thinking Atlanta's going to do what they do every week and I just don't think they will.
0: Yeah, and and yeah, I mean,
1: and there's going to be so many fans betting in this game
0: more more so than usual and they're going to vote they're, they're going to bet offense I tell you what, if this turns out to be that way, and, and Atlanta does score just 17 points, that's one hell of a that's one hell of a performance by New England. I, I, I know I know how you say it, and it makes sense. But for it to happen, and for Atlanta to truly be, you know, held to 17 points, basically half of what they've averaged this year, that'd be a, a an, another unbelievable performance by this the greatest coach in the league.
1: We just—I yeah, I, I, I didn't know that's where you were going, but I was going to say, you know, we—I've talked about how I think this might be Belichick's best year coaching. If he were to cap it off with that, that's a, a big wow factor there.
0: Yeah, I mean, as I, you know, we, we think about this stuff as it turns in our jobs and how it and what are we going to do next. And my early plan for Monday's story is, you know, Belichick if they win this his greatest performance of the greatest coaching career ever Yeah, uh, and, and, and we saw the beginning of that at Arizona, I was at the first game of the season in Arizona when they were about Gronk and without Brady and they had some key injuries on defense and Arizona was expected to be so good and they totally dominated with Jimmy G and yeah. that was kind of the story angle I took then and he's just continued it
1: I mean, I think they were pretty big underdogs in week one weren't they?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, people are saying, "Hey, if they can get to just be two and two, you know," and everybody
0: seemed to think they were going to be like one and three without Brady.
1: Yeah, and, and they're three and one. Away. And yeah, they won a game with Brissett. Yeah, yeah.
0: So pretty incredible. Well, hey, appreciate it. Um, we will be wrapping up this game next week. Hopefully, it's closer. Listen, I just want Atlanta to have a chance to tie it. On, you know, with five minutes to go, I want at least, I want. I, I need some intrigue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We've been lacking the last few weeks.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, cool, Matt. Appreciate it. We'll talk next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening to uh, the No Relation NFL podcast with Matt and B- Bill Williamson. Thanks, everybody.